Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Game Luster podcast. This is Christine speaking, one of the writers here at Game Luster, and today I'm joined by my fellow writers, Sean. Hi there. And Rachel. Hey. Uh, along with our editor-in-chief, Trevor. Hello. So today, uh, later today, we're going to be discussing the recent official announcement of Nintendo Switch Online. But first, we're going to start off, as usual, with our currently playing list. And today, I'll, I'll just start us off here. So uh, what I'm currently playing, I'm going to sort of risk being lampooned here, but being completely mm. honest... Uh, I've actually been playing just straight up iPhone games lately and been really enjoying them. I know there's some people have this stigma like, oh, they're not real games. But, <laughs> you know, I think I've, I'm having fun and that's what counts. I am having to refrain from throwing tomatoes, but okay. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, as long as it's not a clicker. There's like, you know, digital cabbage coming at me right now, but. Uh, so um, the first first one I've been playing um, is called, uh, it's like embarrassing even saying it out loud, but I'm playing um, Cookie Run Oven Break. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And, and, uh, I thought more highly of you. I'm not sure I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> the, my opinion is just, opinion of me is going down. But yeah, you didn't realize how shameful it was until you actually said the words. Yeah. Did I was like, oh, man, it, I have to say the name out loud. I feel did so. Did it cost much more than 99 cents? That might be. It help. is. It is, uh, it is completely free. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh-oh. How much money of, uh, golden cookies have you bought? I have spent zero money on this game, so that's okay, why. Okay, that salvages it. Yeah, see, see, I actually like this one because I've I've played on and off some different phone games, and it always gets to that point where it's like, oh, now you have to pay if you want to do mm-hmm. anything. This game's never done that to me. I haven't ever felt the need to spend any money um, to get more out of the experience. Um, it's it's this game. It's a originally by Korean developers and. A while back, I had some friends invite me to play it, and I tried the original Korean one, and I didn't really like it. There was, um, I didn't. There was kind of more of a language barrier because I was new at Korean at the time, and gave it up. And then recently, my sister started playing it, and because they released an English version, and she was like, "You have to try this game. It's so much fun." And I was like, "Oh, I guess so," but. Um, I started playing it, and it's it's really cute. It has all these seasonal events, and I have never been as competitive in games as I am with this one. Really? <laughs> I don't know why. But like, I'll play other games, and I'm like, eh, it's okay. I don't care if I win. But with this one, I'm like, oh, you think you can collect more rainbow bear jellies than me? Think again, because Dr. Wasabi Cookie will crush you. And it's ridiculous, and I love it. Um, but yeah, it's just an—it's an endless runner. You play as these different cookies that they've made and collect jellies, and it's stupid, and I love it. Now, so does the competitiveness come from? Is it—is it like stocked up in a leaderboard with your friends, or are there like time limits? Or yeah, there's there's so there's different versions. Like in the game, there's different um, types of games you can play. There's like one where you just collect as much points. There's challenges where you have to do a certain amount of things, like collect this many of these jellies or finish within this time kind of things. And then there's the online 
sort of mode with your friends where you compete for who can have um, the most points. And so I have my sister on there, and I'm very competitive with that one. Mm. But then I'm also competitive against myself because <laughs> because I'll be playing some challenge mode, and it's like you can get one to three stars depending on how well you do. And I'm like, I will play this over and over again until I get three stars. I don't care. No four stars? <laughs> Or five, three. So do you have eSport aspirations with this title? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, will, I have to be the top cookie. So ah, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't nice. know why. It's like I, like I... You got me with that one. Like I said, I, I never felt this competitive in other games. I'd be like, oh, no, I lost this PvP battleground. Whatever. It's just a game. But with this one, I'm just like, I can't believe I got 58 out of 60 jellies. I have to play again. And yeah, so it's like I said, it's kind of a ridiculous game, but I think it's fun and it's free, totally free. And you can purchase things on it, but I've never felt the need to. I've never been like, oh, I need to spend $10 to unlock this. That's actually when I end up spending money on a mobile game is when I don't feel like I have to. Oh, really? I've only done it once or twice maybe, but... Really, like, if I if I start feeling more and more pressured to make an in-game purchase, I just, it, it frustrates me. I won't do it. Mm. Oh, I see. So it's like the, like, reverse psychology almost. <laughs> In a way, I guess. They're like, you have to buy this. And you're like, well, then I'm deleting the game. But then if you don't have to buy anything, you're like, well, might as well spend 20 bucks. Why not? Well, I mean... 20 is a lot. But... Yeah, 20 is a lot. Maybe like two bucks. <laughs> I think I think the only game I ever spent money on, mobile game, was Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> because I was out there with my friends and I had no more Pokeballs and there was like, I think like a Charizard or something had popped up and I was like trying to run my card through as fast as possible before it disappeared. And you're like, screw it. I will spend any amount of yeah, money. Yeah, I was like, I, to... I will buy the like deluxe pack. Please, I need Pokeballs right now. <laughs> Desperate times. Yeah, desperate times. And then I felt kind of ashamed afterwards when I saw my bill. I was like, no, I can't believe I did that. But, but, you know, it was, it was worth it. I caught them. So now could you, could you just once again, like describe like the basic gameplay of this game? You said that you're running as a cookie. I mean, do you play as a cookie? Do you play as a cook? Like, is it side scrolling? Like just kind of like the back Back to brass tacks, like, what is just, like, the basic structure of this game? So it's an endless runner game uh, with platforming and mm-hmm. sort of a collection game as well. The basics of this game is there's... It's based off of the Gingerbread Man uh, story, right? Okay. And so there's this, there's this witch that cooks, bakes the cookies... And then they um, somehow, I guess, are imbued with magic and they come to life and they're like, I don't want to be eaten. So that's why they're running endlessly is to escape. Okay. So that's sort of the reason why (laughs) you're running away. It's kind of dark. That's why it's called oven break, because the first level is you're jumping out of the oven and running and you're like, I have to get away from this before I get eaten. That's awesome. Yeah. You forget after a while. You're like. I forgot that I was running away. Now I'm just concentrating on collecting points. But so it's, and you, you know, you collect, you just try to get a high score. You unlock things, the higher score you get. You can unlock different, like, costumes for the different cookies. 
and uh, you can unlock sort of, I guess it's almost like, um, like loot boxes almost. Like you finish a game and then you get this chest and it has a random cookies in it. And there's all sorts of ones that have themes. There's like this little alchemist one. There's a like figure skater one. There's the original one. There's like a bunny one. Like there's all these different characters. And so I guess the main point besides like collecting things, like collecting jellies or getting a high score is collecting the different characters that exist Uh, Which is why I think some people might spend money on it. Like, I just want to buy this box and see if I can get this legendary cookie. But for me, I like just working as hard as I can because it feels so satisfying um, trying to get these, I don't know, unlock these rare ones. I'm like, after... Yeah, you feel like you've earned it. Yeah, I'm like, after a week of playing this game, I finally got macaroon cookie and that's all I wanted (laughs) that week and I played the like daily events and I finally unlocked her on like some random like chest that I got after beating a level and I was just so happy the rest of the day so (laughs) I get a lot of satisfaction out of this game even though it's so simple yeah so so I mean I I mentioned recently on the other podcast I've been playing like World of Warcraft, all these other games, but it's like, if I'm completely honest, the one I've played the most recently is Cookie Run. Now, are on each level, are there, like, enemies? No. Are there baddies walking around, or is it... There's obstacles, I would say. Okay. So, so there's... All the levels are a little different, and they're kind of fun, creative, like, food themes, or mm-hmm. things like that, and there's, like, a forest level, there's a... Um, like icy level and there's different obstacles and there's just two buttons on this game there's jump and slide okay so you jump over and slide under obstacles and while you collect things so there's not really well actually if you if you play there's actually a story mode too okay if you play the story (laughs) mode there is a boss fight you play as hero cookie which is based off of iron man and there is a robot boss that you fight on some of the levels okay that kind of it's a variety of stuff that kind of lost me because when you mentioned like the witch and the gingerbread man reference i was picturing like a a fantasy children's storybook world like grim fairy tales or whatever mm-hmm. but now you're talking about robots so yeah. what is the setting what what exactly is the setting i'd say the setting is food theme okay that's the main setting like everything is based loosely around food or okay. candy or jellies or cookies. But they, I think when they started, it was this, it was more fantasy world. It's, you know, forests and fantasy lands mm-hmm. and princess and night cookies and stuff. And then over time, because I, I've played it recently, but I figure if I would think back to when I first tried it years ago, there weren't that many different levels and cookies and things it was very basic but now they're sort of oh let's add a superhero one let's add a um a mad scientist one let's add all these different ones and uh right now they have like olympic winter sport theme ones you can get like a snowboarder and stuff so i think they're always adding but the basic one has always been just like this fantasy food themed world and then they added these different levels where 
yeah, it's still food themed, uh, very obviously, but yeah, it's just, it's a variety of things. That's why it's hard to explain because it's like, what is this game? I don't, I don't even know. They just, they just keep going and adding more and more stuff. I don't even know what it'll be like in a year. There'll probably be like time traveling cookies or something. Who knows? Diluting the original setting, I guess. Yeah. Because as soon as you say that, I started thinking, you know, like a a fantasy-based 3D platformer where you're a gingerbread person and you're it's a collectathon and it's fairy tale, it's Banjo Kazooie esque. I mean, that I immediately start thinking along those lines, mm-hmm. and then then I hear it's well, it's all these different settings. There's a Winter Olympics thing, and <laughs> uh, my my interest level kind of goes down a bit, but it's free, so I guess I'll check it out. Yeah, even though it is a mobile game. That isn't one ninety nine or more. I'll lower my standards a bit and check it out. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say the closest thing would be the Mario mobile game. Mm-hmm. Might be the closest um, play wise to this game. Okay, I I haven't done that. I can't. I don't have a point of reference there. I mean, uh, I've, I I've read about that, but I've not played it. Yeah. So. That's telling me to run away far more than it's telling me to play it. <laughs> yeah, I don't expect people to be like rushing to their phones downloading it right now yeah forget this podcast i gotta get my hands on, <laughs> yeah. on you're like on. well are you even paying attention are you downloading the game right now but i don't <laughs> i i expect more so people to be like wow and judging me but i i have no shame at this point so even if people don't try it that's fine i'm having a good time but uh, enough about that one um what about you sean what are what have you been playing lately I've been playing a lot of Celeste. Oh, really? Really nice. Oh, how is it? Ah. It's a really good time. So Celeste is a platformer. I'm pretty sure it was released on everything. Uh, The Xbox One, the PS4, the PC. I've been playing it on the Switch, and I haven't really played a platformer like that before. I know a lot of people have compared it to Super Meat Boy. But basically, the idea is that it's a very, very grueling difficulty. You die constantly, but the punishment for dying is very slight. In other words, you quickly respawn and you take on that challenge again. Mm. And because of that, I found it very addicting. Um, the challenge is very much there, but even with that, the mechanics of the game are really simple. Uh, there really is, there's only a jump button and a dash button. And then the complexity of the platforming is added by the environments rather than the controls. So really you're getting a completely different experience with each world you go to. So yeah, overall I think it's really awesome so far. I think I'm about halfway through it. Sort of what I was saying earlier, each level is completely different. There's a completely different atmosphere. There's a completely, completely different uh, soundtrack to each level. And yeah, it's definitely my favorite game of 2018, even though we're not that far into it yet. I remember Andrew in his news story um, noting the release talked about the character of Celeste. Um, mm-hmm. But how deep does the story go in, in setting up that character, like the game world? Like, what's the narrative like? So a, a big part of it is the mountain serving as a type of metaphor for uh, mental illness, sort of, uh, namely depression and anxiety, and sort of the comparison being you know, despite the fact that you're inevitably going to have a few small failures, a few big failures on your way to beating it, that, that perseverance can help you do it. So it's, yeah, there, 
I might have not played it far enough to see the depth of the actual uh, main character yet, mm-hmm. but I, I think generally that's kind of what, what's being gone, gone for in the story. And from what I've heard, the story does get surprisingly deep later on, although I'm not really fit to comment on on that specifically at this point, having only been halfway through it. But it's definitely something I would recommend. It's a $20 game, and I was a little surprised that it was that much because I figured it would be a 10 or 15-er but I have absolutely no regrets buying it as of right now. Uh, definitely what I've been playing the most. I mean, I've already, I'm halfway through and my death toll is at 1200, which sounds absolutely Ooh. crazy, <laughs> but I've only played it for like four hours. Like there's sections where you'll die like a hundred or so times just trying to get through it. Um, and e- each level has a couple, uh, has its fair share of collectibles. And well, there's two main collectibles actually. So there are strawberries which are purely an accomplishment thing. Like they add nothing to the game other than you being able to say, like I accomplished this. I gathered this many strawberries. Essentially they're difficult platforming challenges. The other collectible is each level has a, what's called a B side tape tucked within it somewhere. And these B side tapes are essentially extreme, extremely difficult versions of the levels that you've already played. So it's like, uh, just an expanded version of that level's mechanics. And that's where the difficulty gets insane. I've, I've only beaten one of the B-sides of the five level, four or five levels I've, I've played through so far. But I like that name. Despite how hard it is, it never really feels frustrating because you just spawn again. Uh, it, it does always feel like the errors are your fault. The, com- the controls are completely... Um, the controls are very good. So every time I die, it's not, it's not anger at, at the game or anything like that it's more so like oh i messed this up so i can change it this time and eventually you get your way through it so uh, and have a good time while doing it at least in my case so uh, a really good time with that i also and i don't want to talk about this one too much since it was sort of uh discussed in the last podcast but i've been playing some uh all right finished doki doki huh. literature club yeah hey. oh there you go <laughs> So now that you've finished it, um, I asked you before when you first started, but now that you've finished it, who is your favorite? Yeah, so initially I was on Team Yuri, but I think at this point, I think even besides kind of the psycho turn she takes towards the end of the game, I don't know. I, she's kind of pretentious, I think. Yeah. There's kind of, there is, I think even one of the characters comments on Oh, like you're just trying to be edgy yeah, or whatever. And I think that's true. Like at first it was kind of like, oh, like she's pretty cool. But yeah, totally maybe trying a little bit too hard. Not that that's not that that's like not something people can relate to at that age, you know, like high school mm-hmm. or whatever the setting. That's definitely an age where people are trying to, I don't know, get into their identities and maybe they uh, exaggerate certain traits of themselves that they think are are the best about them. So I, I don't know. Like, there's yeah. definitely merit to all the characters. I, I think I'm more so on anything uh, Team Sayori now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I have to say the same, actually. Like, I when I first p- started playing, I was like, oh, I kind of uh-huh. like Yuri. She's kind of, you know, shy. She's kind of relatable. Um, and, like, sure. kind of my style and everything. And then as I played, I was like, ah, I don't know about this anymore. And I like the uh, the character arc of Sayori a lot, and especially the the very final ending of the game. I was like, "Wow, this is this is a pretty interesting churn." So, 
<laughs> I I I kind of liked her at the beginning, and I was like, ah, I don't know, she's a little too cheerful for me. Yeah. I want to go with you know Yuri, and then after finishing, I was like, actually, I think I think I like Siori best uh, out of everybody. But Yuri is like a still kind of a second favorite for me. If I had yeah, to and I, I'd still actually say Yuri is my second favorite. Um, easily my least favorite is what's her? She start, it starts with an N. Uh, Natsuka maybe. Uh, Natsuki. Yeah, yeah, not a fan yeah. really of her. Um, Monica is okay. I was surprised from from what I can like tell from just reading um forums and all that is it seems like monica is almost like she might be the most pot like the most commonly considered yeah like, the game's best waifu that's what i've seen <laughs> yeah she's like top waifu best girl yeah on like any of the forums. i mean i don't know like she she's a cool character like the the plot twist at the end is just so <laughs> so much that i can kind of yeah, it's there's a lot. a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah, it it actually it actually did startle me a little bit. There's mm-hmm. um, you know, I shouldn't actually probably talk about it cause just in case anyone who's listening hasn't hasn't played. Is it that yet. a point though, where like you've probably at least seen it? Okay, that's that's true. Okay, so then I guess I'll go. Wait, ahead Trevor, are you gonna then. play it? Um, well, I'm I'm in the process of playing it. Oh, wait, 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 okay, uh, then I won't. What, what I have won't. you seen? Because uh, yeah, we can just <laughs> just assume that yeah, like. If you're that, yeah, yeah, I think we're safe to kind of talk about it. But how far are you, Trevor? Well, let's see. I've I've just gotten a little way into the first time you start a new game. Um, okay, a few hours. Hmm. So you're like in the in yeah, the middle of it. Yeah, just soon now. after, like a half hour to an hour after the first dark turn. Hmm. Well, then, um, since since I'm guessing that's you're currently playing, so why don't we kind of segue into that then, really quick before. Um, Rachel's comments on the game, and maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience so far with yes. it. Yes, so um, it is a Rubicon for me that I've crossed because it's the first visual novel I've played. Um, mm-hmm. And I do like the style. I don't mind all the reading. I've I've been fine with the style. Kind of, kind of surprised by how much it really is. Like, it is a visual novel. It's mostly reading that you do. Um, and whether or not I end up devoting great amounts of times to others in this genre I do there is a kernel of interest um now as I said I just got past the part where it took a dark turn um my favorite my favorite waifu so far is uh Sayori um (laughs) that's not too much conflict there um and yeah I am I'm interested I'm in suspense now because of the the fourth wall breaking glitchy stuff that's going on it's intrigued me and it's really well it's it's really bad that i put this one off so long it was just languishing in my backlog and i will say um on the mini games in between the club meetings when you're selecting words i've always tried to to space them out such that each of the little figures of the female characters jump because i assume is that some sort of input if when you select a word, one of them jumps, are you, like, making a poem that they will like better? Am I correct in thinking that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll kind of pop up so you know which words are best for which ones. Okay, so I'm I'm glad to know I've been right on that because I've been always trying to space them out evenly. Of course, off the top of my head, no, you can't divide 20 by 3, right? So I can't do it completely evenly, <laughs> but I've been doing my best to space it out. And then otherwise... 
Oh, that's interesting. Otherwise, I've how should I put? It? I wasn't I wasn't bored, but for a while there, I was just clicking through all the text, waiting for it to get more interesting, and then it did. But then time constraints. Mm-hmm. But I am I am getting to it. I've been bad about my backlog lately, but I'm looking forward to diving back into it as my first visual novel. Also, I'm glad you made it to the first. I guess as we keep referring to it, the first dark turn, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah, I was I was waiting for it. I was hoping to get to it because I was actually playing it. Um, it was early this morning because I knew I had made a vow on the last podcast I was on that I would play it by the next one. And finally, like the pressure that thankfully was forcing me. Okay, I've got I've got <laughs> to get back on this. I can't, you know, dive into another Thief FM or jump into a Quake Champions match. I have to do this. You woke up at three in the morning in a. Uh, yeah. In a sweat, like I promised these people, well, I would it, see Doki. It Doki was Doki around five in the this. morning. I will say it was around five in the morning. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm curious though, um, mm-hmm. if you don't mind me asking, how blind were like going into it? Were you like going into it blind? I mean, you kind of knew a little bit because we had been talking about it, but how much did you really know about the game before starting well, it? Going back all the way even to Tao's um, review of it last December, um, I did know that there was more to it than met the eye, and I didn't know there would be a dark turn. I didn't know that there was some fourth wall wall breaking and like some game glitchy stuff going in it, going on in it. So I knew that was coming, but I don't. I didn't know, nor do I now know any story specifics to the characters or what happens beyond. the first game I played through, and I don't know is is the ending of the first segment you do the same each time, you know, like, uh, or does it vary? Um, I I think I think it'll always like the the um, sudden shock at the end of the first playthrough. I think it's the same no matter which playthrough, like which person you choose or whatever you do. But I'm not really, I'm not really positive. I think there's slight variations, but not by much. There is an interesting meta story for sort of going on if you delve deeper into the files and start. Yeah. I'm not very good at it, but sort of like breaking apart sort of the encoding of it. I'm not even sure if I'm using the right terminology, <laughs> but I've, I've been, I've been keeping up with a couple of people who have been on that train and it's it's worth it's worth a look if you're into sort of coding or scripting and sort of deciphering a lot of the things that can be found in the actual files yeah and if you're interested but not very good at it there's plenty of like videos you can watch too and they'll go through and be like i took this after this segment happened this poem appears in the game files and it's in this text and i put it through this translator and then i put that translator and if you look at the wikipedia article for the donkey you'll find <laughs> yeah. and then they're like i put i put the code through this image creation file and then it came out with this image and you're like wow that is a lot of work it's a lot like if nothing else it definitely helps you appreciate exactly how much care went into yeah. making it and i'm glad that people are finding it too because it would kind of suck for the guy if he went through all that effort and it just didn't get the reception that it's getting yeah, if if no one cared enough to go through all of that, it would kind of it would kind of suck for them. <laughs> like, please, someone. The, the end of the game, I guess, kind of. I guess it really does spell it out for you pretty directly what you have to do. You know, 
I see with Trevor in here, I do we want to say. I, I think you guys probably know what I'm getting at, but like there's a lot to ask for the player, yeah, I think, yeah. to get past mm-hmm. that and to figure out what exactly happens there, what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool though. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. And I think yeah, if with the with the um second ending, I guess I would call it, you may not be sure what to do. Um and <laughs> but it's kinda nice. You can figure yeah. it out yourself, you know, you could look it up, you can do whatever but mm-hmm. wh- however you get to that it's worth doing fully doing the second ending to be able to unlock the third so i'll say as i say cryptically <laughs> now i know something we need to plan on doing is once i've beaten it and we'll ask around the other staff we need to just have a doki doki literature cast because yeah in each of these <laughs> podcasts we've brought it up and we haven't been able to talk about it for fear of spoil, spoiling one of one of the participants, such as myself. So we need to plan on that so that we can actually discuss it thoroughly without without handicapping ourselves because of spoilers. Yeah, just a doki-doki spoiler cast. Yes. <laughs> or we could add it as a weekly feature to the podcast <laughs> we forever, and we bring our own poems each time and read them. <laughs> I mean, at my pace, who knows how long I'll be currently playing it. It could be next year. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It'd be like end of 2018 celebration. Yes. Um, and so besides that, have you been playing uh, anything else? Anything else you'd like to add to your currently playing list? Well, um, drumroll please. I have been doing another Thief fan mission. I know it's it's mind-blowing. It's a huge surprise. Yes, but I have, <laughs> I have been playing one of those. Um, and what this one is, it's one called The Music of Cybul. It was released in 2013. And the interesting take on it is it was part of this contest that TTL.com did. They do these contests for these. And it was the 48-hour contest where authors had to build a mission from scratch within 48 hours. Um, so that's, that's like the premise of it. And then there's also this debate and the Thief fan community on Thief 1's fiction and world versus Thief 2's world, and the diehards are like, oh, the Dark Project, you know, it's the the darker, grimier, medieval world, um, there are zombies, there are monsters in it, then Thief 2, it's all clean, pristine, and Victorian, and this mission was throwing back to Thief 1's environment, so that was like a bone to the more hardcore members of the community. And I've played it a few times before. I'm doing it again um, to do a new write-up on it. But it it got it ended up getting third place in the in the contest. And what you're doing, you're you're going after this magical wind chime owned by Lady Cybel, thus the name, the music of Cybel. And what I like about it is is that it has verticality, which of course the Dishonored games have and the the arcane developers would reference a lot like you can you can go into um what would the word be i don't want to say sewers but like just a waterway in the city you have that you have pass up onto the rooftops you have the ground level um you have multiple paths into the actual manor house that you're trying to get into so it it has great verticality and open-ended exploration and just talking over all this, I'm realizing I need I do need to expand my currently playing list. It's usually isn't this bad. <laughs> lately lately it has been um 
well, my, my gaming life has taken a back seat lately, but um, suffice it to say that, once again, is it. I've got Doki Doki, I've got a thief mission, next time I will have more. But it is great. Uh, who makes the thief games? They were they were made by uh, Looking Glass Studios in '98 and 2000, published by IDOS. So the the IP is currently owned by Square Enix. Since they okay, I think you're a Square Enix corporate plant sent no. here to advertise. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe maybe an other side plant. They're kind of like the other side yeah. studios is like the spiritual recreation of Looking Glass. They're working on Underworld Ascendant now, but um. Anyway, yeah, Looking Glass folded in 2000, but they, they did make the first two. Yes. Rest in peace. <laughs> All right. Um, so then lastly, we have last but not least, Rachel. So why don't you tell us a bit about what you're currently playing? So I'm really, I really got behind the bandwagon. And so recently I've had two massive undertakings where I currently played. I started The Witcher excellent um which is i can't believe i can't believe that i didn't play it for so long um it just is heartbreaking to me now that i haven't (laughs) had so much time to spend with it but had you played the first two no no i hadn't that's part of the reason that i didn't pick it up is because i'm very much the sort of person that likes to play games in order in a row and so i felt a little weird picking up the witcher 3 since i hadn't played the witcher 2 but I just, I'd gotten so many people telling me that, you know, like, it doesn't matter. Just pick it up. Just play it. You'll like it. They'll catch you up. And I did. And it's been great. Although there are definitely, like, some, like, relationship contexts that I wish that I had played The Witcher 2. Just to sort of get more context on what's happening in the world. But it's been, it's been really, really good. Um yeah, I, I can't even think of anything bad to say. There's just so much. Where are you at? Oh, I just, um, I just met, oh gosh, what is her name? I can see her face in my mind. Why can't I remember her name? Um, Jennifer Triss. Triss. Okay. All I could think of was Tristan, and I was like, that's, that's <laughs> not right. Um, no, Triss. <laughs> No, I just I just did the mission with Triss, and they went hunting for the rats, and she is putting the moves on, and I'm like, okay, but <laughs> but but hold on. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. But I've spent an inordinate amount of time just exploring and killing things that may or may not need to be killed. Oh. Um, it's been it's been good. So how many hours have you done on it? Because oh, I didn't, gosh. I didn't meet Triss. Going to Novigrad and meeting up with Triss was like, I didn't do that till way into my playthrough. I think I'm about thirty hours in. Okay. If I had to guess. Okay. If I had to guess, I've I've been I've been switching off between The Witcher and another game that I really should have gotten around to earlier. Um, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> Ah. Yeah. I have not done that. Yeah, it came out, I think, two years ago, and I just just didn't pick it up. I never picked it up. I had tried in high school to play a couple of the Final Fantasies, but it just didn't quite work. It just didn't quite work for where I was at as a person at the time. Mm. 
because I was looking for something that you could just like sort of pick up and go. And Final Fantasy is, I think, something that you have to invest a lot of your yeah. heart yeah, into. Yeah, it's definitely not a casual game experience. <laughs> like, I'll just try this out for a <laughs> no. couple hours. It's no cookie like run. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not cookie run. Like, <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not quite cookie run. Um, but this is this is the first Final Fantasy that I've really delved mm. into, and wow. it's been really awesome. And I. Once again, can't believe that I haven't gotten around to it earlier. How many Feel hours? A little bit ashamed. Oh gosh, I think. Actually, you know what? I have it on pause. I can look at my timer. Um, I'm at thirty-eight hours right now. So, like the tutorial, okay. then. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, my my side quests are piling up, and I want to complete them all all at once. And I turn them in, and they give me new ones, and I have to complete those. I think I've finished chapter. Man, mm. the thing about playing those two games, like I, I like Final Fantasy fifteen a decent amount, but I feel like the areas in which The Witcher shines, like the quality of the side quests and the writing, I think there's just such a gulf there between that and Final Fantasy. I'd, I would personally have such a hard time like playing them at the same time. Like, I don't know. <laughs> They're both. It's definitely yeah. two different worlds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely two different ones. Like The Witcher has a lot of sort of quests that you take a little more seriously. Yeah. And at the same time, it's, like, very lighthearted in in certain ways. And that's just... It's a totally different experience than I think what I'm getting with Final Fantasy. Even though they're both fairly open, there's a lot you can do. The story just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Which is a good thing for me. And Final Fantasy XV definitely... um is sort of on the fringe of being one of you know there's parts of it that kind of feel like an offline mmo with those quests a little bit like yeah they just stack up and you know it's like a lot of it's just like hunt these monsters or bring this this place there's there's a lot to fetch yeah sure yeah so i don't know but yeah i mean both pretty good games i think i don't know the witcher 3 is one of my favorites i think so it's awesome that you're getting a chance to get into it now yeah, it's definitely stacking up to be one of my favorites too. I just, I'm I'm so ashamed that I haven't done it sooner. <laughs> yeah. <I guess. laughs> well, one of my biggest regrets is never actually like I never actually finished it. I got this uh, Skalingrad. I, no, I think that's an Elder Scrolls city. Skelligi. Skull, <laughs> Where did I get Skellige? Skellige. Skellige, yeah. Skellige. I got the Skellige. but but I, yeah. I had done. I mean, I was like thirty or forty hours in. I think I got I went to Skellige late, but I never actually ultimately finished it. But like for my time playing it, it still is, is one of my favorites. I, I mean, definitely, I, I think the biggest game I regret not finishing is The Witcher 3. I still need to do it, but at this point, I'm so, I'm like two years removed. So if I were to like get on it now, I'd be like, Almost where three. am I? <laughs> like, how do I do any of this? I'd have to start over and I'll just someday, yeah. hopefully. And that happens a lot with those big games because you'll you'll almost finish it and then something comes up. And you don't play for a while, and you can't just go back into it because then you're like, I don't remember any of the controls. I don't remember how this works. And then you just die over and over, and you're like, I guess I have to start over (laughs) again. And then I did that with a game once probably three times. Like, I restarted it without finishing over and over because I'd get so close, and then would something would come up and then I go back and restart it, and then something comes up and I go back and restart it. And... And then by the third time, I was like, I'm so tired of playing the first part of this game. Can I just, mm. now that I remember. What game was that? Um, I will admit that was when I first played Ocarina of Time, 
when I was oh. like years oh, wow. and years and years ago. Goodness. Yeah, and I was like, I have not finished Ocarina of Time, and that I was like, poor, you know, eight or nine. I said maybe nine year old me <laughs> never finished it because like I like gave it up and restarted so many times and then when I finally finished it like now I've played through the full game a lot and I I mentioned on the previous podcast I've played the the DS port of it as well so played all the different versions of it at this point but at the time I just had to keep restarting it and yeah, felt felt really sad about that, but but yeah, I kind of kind of get cuz like well, yeah, you you have you feel like you need to restart if you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. With with The Witcher 3, I not only beat the base game, but I played through all of the DLC, so I I ate that one for dinner pretty well. Now, <laughs> I'm not always like that. Um as I've noted on these currently playing lately, I have been accumulating a huge backlog, but that came out at a time where I I wasn't like that. And I would definitely recommend, Rachel, you not only to beat it, but to also play the DLC. They're both excellent. Yeah, I, I, ha- I have the whole the whole, the whole whole kit and caboodle downloaded, okay. so they're, okay, the they're sitting the there taunting okay. me. <laughs> okay. Because they'll, they'll, when you download the DLC, they, they show it to you even if you're, like, level one. They're like, hey, come visit us and why don't you start the DLC? Come on. And it's like, come on. I'm level, I'm level three. This is supposed to be started at level 35. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's been taunting me for quite a while. Yeah. Now, um, so, uh, Christine, have you done The Witcher 3 now that we three have pitched in with our progress on it? Have you played that? I haven't, actually. I haven't played Witcher 3. Um, it It came out during one of my moving periods um, okay. where I didn't really have access to anything to play it on. And at this point, it's like kind of been so long. I'm, I'm playing catch up on so many games right now because uh, yeah. yeah. of my college experience. Um, I, I kind of I think I mentioned this to Trevor a really long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. But when I was in college, we, um, we didn't have consoles available. We weren't allowed to have electronics in the dorm room, in our personal what? rooms, because of, like, this fire hazard thing they had made up. And I was like, I can have a curling iron, but I can't have a PlayStation. <laughs> this makes Were no sense. Were you in Korea at the time? That's ridiculous. Yes, okay. I was. And um, so there were some people I knew who had consoles. They'd set it up in the common room, which was where you could. And and it was also one of those things I had moved to Korea from the States, and I already had full bags. Um, and it was basically a one-way trip for me. So I didn't really – I wasn't able to bring any of my consoles. And even if I could, I wouldn't have been allowed to have a TV in my dorm to play them. So I just did PC gaming for like – four years except for when I would go home on a couple breaks and I would play console games like my whole break and go back and so I missed out on so many games during that period I only got to play tiny bits and pieces by going over to someone else's dorm in their common room for like two hours and watching them play and that was like all my console experience for those years so now that I've finished, I'm sort of going back and getting all my consoles out, revisiting old games that I liked, and then 
trying to build up a library of new ones. Like the first thing I did when I came back was I played Horizon Dawn. Hmm. Um, and I was like, I, I still need to do that one. Yeah. Wait, was that Horizon Dawn or Horizon Zero or Dawn? Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah. Okay. So, okay. so yeah, so I had I had wanted to play it forever since I saw it at E3. I was so excited, and then I couldn't. And then I came back, and I was like, finally, and I just sat down and played that for hours because I was happy to finally have access to a PlayStation and to that game. But, yeah, so so it sounds, it's kind of an excuse, but I haven't played any Witcher because of that, um... It was just a really... Or the first two, even? Have you done the first two? No, because before okay. that, it was the whole strict parenting thing, so... Okay. Yeah. Oh, like... yeah. I understand that. Yeah, so I was like, don't, don't play those games. They're evil, so... <laughs> Goodness, I I was playing Quake at age four. <laughs> yeah. I, I never had to worry about Your, that. like, parent sees, like, the, the, like, different love scene screenshots in some, like, magazine, and they're like, oh, no! So, actually, I have a really good story about uh, parents... And like not letting me play games so like my mom was really strict with me about well not like really strict about it but i was like 14 and i was really wanting to play grand theft auto 4 i think maybe oh no i was like 13 or something and i was just so desperate to play it like i've been wanting to play like when san andreas came out when i was younger i wanted to play it and you know like grand theft auto is super notorious like a lot of people know it who aren't even yeah. with no knowledge of video games have heard of it simply because of its reputation for being explicit or whatever but um i was so desperate for gta 5 that i somehow came up with the idea of convincing my mom that like the saturation setting like the video like the saturation setting i convinced her that that was like somehow was able to control the amount of bad content that was in that game oh my god that's brilliant (laughs) yeah it was like the amount of saturation of, of like explicit content and somehow it worked like i don't know how but like that was like the turning point. Like I'm just turning this down. Yeah, yeah, that was the turning point for me. From there on, I was able to pretty much play whatever. But that's amazing. And now you've you've gone into a a law school and a, have a career as a lawyer ahead of you with your serpent yeah. tongue. I wish. Wow, that... turning point indeed. I'm fully impressed. Yeah, I'm really impressed by that. That's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, I like I said, I never had to worry about that too much. I mean, like. Like, my dad got me Half-Life when I was, like, eight years old. I was playing Doom. I mean... That's cool. Never a, never a worry with me. Yeah. I mean, it was... Movies were different. Yeah. But games, no. I had, I mean, I won't go too deep into it, but I had a very interesting um, types of restrictions. So, it's like, some games and movies, it was like, wow, you watched that as a child or something? And then other ones... People are like, wow, you couldn't watch that or play that as a child? Like, the what was restricted for me was very odd. So, Do you have an example off the top of your head? Um, my favorite movie when I was six years old was Grease. Oh, wow. And, and if anybody has seen Grease as an adult, <laughs> that is not a children's film. And I was allowed to watch it, but I wasn't allowed to sing the songs from it. But I didn't understand why, because I didn't know what any of the lyrics were. So I sing. Well, I, I mean, our school did a Grease musical. I've never seen it, by the way. But I was in a musical for it in sixth grade that our school did. Was it uh, was it cleaned up? I mean, are the uh, I bad? probably like, would be cleaned up. I doubt okay. that there was a car sex scene in your school. I was play. actually in that. Oh, musical. oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, they might have might have modified it a little yeah. bit. You know. 
Yeah, they took they took out all of the all of the Razy content. So anything to do with you know the the teenage pregnancy and the sort of wanting to have a boyfriend, like that whole section of it just didn't exist anymore. Yeah, an entire like virgin shaming song. Like, yep, no, out of there. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I watched the movie. I had it on VHS. I had a double-sided VHS, Grease and Grease 2. I would just play it on repeat, and I loved that. And I had no idea what they were saying. I was like, this is catchy. And and then I watched it as an adult, and I was like, how was I allowed to watch this as a child? Like, I know people my age who don't want to watch this. But but then it was like, you know, I can I can do Grease all I want. But uh, can't really do um, other games. I remember, like, like the closest I came to that, let's see, would be, like, stuff they actually showed in school. Mm. Like, that surprised me. Like, I, I remember, like, at a very young young age, I think it might have been sixth grade as well, watching Little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, wow. And, oh, that's a good one. And it... But looking back, I'm like, holy cow, like, yeah. how did that not bother me? <laughs> I was so young. And then in high school, I mean, some of the stuff they would show, like, I mean, even like 300, I mean, you know, it it was surprising. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the closest I came. I actually, actually never, never had an experience at home like that. It was always at school or at a friend's house. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I've, I've never been a parent myself so i don't really know why parents choose what they do um, as far as censorship but for mine it was like you know racy musicals okay games that have the name witch a part of the title not okay yeah so so uh then you know i i moved out and everything and i was like i can do whatever i want now (laughs) and go i don't know how my grandma would take to shin megami tensei (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean now it's like it's like i have to play catch up and play all these all these games and stuff that i i wasn't really exposed to growing up but but it's kind of a nice experience um in a way going into it um later on but yeah so i i hope to play witcher at some point uh it is because I know it's such a sort of well-loved franchise and it's one of those things where I've read about it in like Game Informer and stuff and kept up with it, but I never got to play it. So I'm hoping to either play it or at least watch like a playthrough of it online or something just so I can kind of relate more to that. I really liked the first one, but I actually, I did not ever finish The Witcher 2. I, I came close and it's one of those where I keep coming back to it and just fumble with the controls and all that. But I cannot slog through all of that one for some reason. Although the first and third ones, of course, I played, I played with with a high dedication yeah. through to the end. Yeah. So let's see that that wraps up everyone's currently playing list for now. So why don't we move on to our discussion topic for today, which I briefly mentioned earlier. Uh, which is the recent official announcement for Nintendo Switch Online. It's coming out September. Uh, Obviously, they mentioned before they were planning on launching this. Um, When they first announced it a while ago, they said they'd have a paid online service later. But now they've officially announced it. You get some free monthly games, some Nintendo Classic games and discounts, uh, and, of course, online multiplayer. And there's a lot of opinions about this. Some people for it, against it, think it's worth it or not worth it. 
And so let's just go around and get everyone's thoughts. So why don't we start with uh, Rachel? What what are your thoughts on the Nintendo Switch Online coming out? Well, the only thing that I really thought when I saw it was I was like, huh, that's interesting that they're choosing to do that. But then, you know, it's it's actually not so strange after all. We saw it, you know, several years ago when PSN decided to go paid. And there was like a little bit of a backlash, but it ended up not really being anything. And, you know, they're charging a quarter of the price for it as yeah. any of the other consoles are. Um, so I guess in the run, it, it like in the end, it's not as bad as it could be. Hmm. I mean, obviously, free free online multiplayer is the way to go. And you know, if you can, if if it was feasible, I would totally support that. But I understand that they probably have like server fees to pay and all sorts of stuff. But I don't know. I'm I'm a little upset about it, but. Mm-hmm less upset than I could be. Do you think you would pay for it yourself? Like, will you um, you would think it's an investment that's worth a $20 investment? <laughs> Sounds kind of <laughs> sad. Like, it's not really that much it's, money, but do you think that you would be able to do that? It's not that much money. Um, honestly, I don't do a lot of online multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I sort of just stick to either single-player games or ones that I can play with my friends on the couch next to me if I do decide to do multiplayer. Yeah. Um, I completely relate. Largely. I mean, there there are exceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, I played Destiny for a little bit, so I guess that was an exception. But, I mean, in the the long run, I like to have things that I can do either by myself or with a friend that's next to me. And so, for me, online multiplayer isn't really a huge thing that I would ever really invest that much money in. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah, I to- I think I totally agree, though. I've always been more of a local multiplayer person. Yeah. Like, I like, I, I, don't, I don't mind multiplayer games, but I like to be playing with people I know or people I'm in the same room with. Um, exactly. And not so much online. And even though I'm, like, really big into World of Warcraft, it's not even the online part I like. I'm one of those people where I do have some friends I've made on it. I I do have some nice memories of playing online, but I also have some bad ones. And I'm like, I play it more for the lore and the story than for the online aspect or meeting new people aspect. And yeah, I'm also just more of a, I don't know, I like single player games. And I don't like how so many games recently... They're trying to be like, we're going to be more multiplayer or exclusively multiplayer. And for some people, that's a big improvement because they want to be more social. But for me, I'm like, I I don't want like Final Fantasy to become this online multiplayer game. Same. Like, I just want to play by myself at my own pace how I want. Well, there's something very personal about, about getting to play by yourself and getting to explore at your own pace is part of it for me. Yeah. Um, is why I don't necessarily always enjoy online multiplayer. It's just I don't feel like I have time to take a breath. Yeah, and it's and it's yeah, it's like playing catch up with other people, and yeah, and then of course you can the experience can be totally different. It can be really rewarding or not so rewarding depending on the person. So yeah, it's I think for for myself, Nintendo Online, I don't want it so much. For the online multiplayer, I actually 
it would be more like the reason why I like the PlayStation one, which is discounts and free games. Like, I think... That's true. Yeah, I think the only reason I would get it would be for that, because I don't see myself using the actual online multiplayer part of it, uh, ironically, but I think it's more of getting access to some games and maybe getting discounts occasionally. It might be worth it, but... And it's not that much money. It's, like you said, it's compared to... It's a pretty small investment. Yeah, Xbox is like $40, I think, a year, and then... 60. PlayStation and... It's 60, It's 60, 60. wow. 60 and 60. Yeah, so they're both like 60, and then Nintendo was like, oh, it's only 20 bucks for a year, and it's like, wow, okay. And when you can... It's a quarter of the price for the same functionality, just on a different console. Yeah, And and they're giving you all these different games to play for roughly $2 a month. I think it would be worth it just for that, but that's that's my opinion. I I like that even though they hopped on the bandwagon, they did it their own way, and I think Nintendo's always been about accessibility. Mm-hmm. And I I'm not surprised that they went that way. And I'm hoping because Nintendo did it this way, maybe the other um companies might follow suit and lower their prices. I think. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, it'd be nice if they were like, wow, Nintendo is giving people almost the same services as us, but for so much less. Now people are going to think we're expensive. <laughs> Maybe we should lower our price so that we don't seem like jerks to everybody compared to Nintendo. Definitely. Like, yeah, Nintendo's like the fun uncle of the gaming industry, <laughs> so. Um, what, about, uh, what about you, Trevor? What do you think? about this announcement well my first reaction was you know oh goodness no more playing mario kart or smash brothers online with my brother for free and i was i was disappointed but the more i thought of it and read of it the more that initial reaction of mine was tempered and it was mainly tempered by me thinking perhaps this is a signal that nintendo's online service overall will increase in quality that now not only in terms of like classic titles, but also in terms of just um, online play performance. They're going to pay more attention and devote more work to having something more on the level of an Xbox Live or a PS, mm. PSN Plus, of course, for a cheaper price. Because for the longest time since the Wii, even maybe since the GameCube, um, which famously I or infamously only had one online game, um, a huge criticism of Nintendo has been to get with the times, you know, have, you know, not just on an online multiplayer level, but in other levels that they're, they're behind and they need to catch up. Mm -hmm. And now with the switch, they're actually making this move to catch up. And of course, you know, now there's a reaction. Oh no, now they're not, you know, I want Nintendo to go back to being Nintendo, even though when they were that way, I was saying they need to catch up. Yeah. But (laughs) in any case, now they're making this move and it's it's similar to like Breath of the Wild having DLC or Smash Brothers for Wii U having DLC. They're starting mm-hmm. they're starting to catch up. They're starting to actually make moves, get things done, take action. And like I said, my initial disappointment because you know, I would play a lot of with my brother Mario Kart and Smash Brothers online. It was great having it for free. Um as a PC gamer, I'm typically used to online play being being free, but but overall now my my feeling my informed 
as I said, tempered feeling about Nintendo Switch Online is this will likely be good for the company and it will likely signal an improvement to their online service. Yeah. I mean, it's it's paying for better quality in a way. And I feel almost bad for them because it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Like you said, if, if they don't, people will be like, why doesn't Nintendo have these features? Mm-hmm. And if they do, they're like, oh, Nintendo's just jumping on the bandwagon with everyone else. And they're like, you know, it's kind of, there's no way mm-hmm. for them to... F- I think this is a great compromise for them to kind of win because they're like, okay, we'll do what the others are doing, but our own way. So... I think it was kind of a good move of them to do it, but also do it at so much less of a price and yes. doing it their own way instead of just blindly following what everyone else is. Okay, then what about Sean? What what are your opinions on Nintendo Online? I think you guys have covered a lot of it already, but, you know, really the whole, this announcement really brings two questions to mind to me. And the first is, you know, what is Nintendo going to do to upgrade their online experience, or will they? And, you know, the hope or the assumption is that they will because they're delaying, requiring money for their online service. But to what extent are they going to do that? And it will, be, will it come any closer to actually replicating the experiences you can have on PlayStation or Xbox? Because mm-hmm. the quality of life deficiencies with being unable to easily add friends, um, join parties, voice chat, all of that, I guess it might not be a big issue for some people, but for others it is. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of people do count on Sony and Xbox for. So I don't know. I think it's a saving grace in a sense that they're charging one third of what those two are because $20 for their online play and then whatever else they'll give out is likely going to be a bargain. But uh, the future of of where they go with it is it will be interesting because the their whole app thing has kind of backfired on them. I don't think people are very happy with that. Um, many yeah. are using you know services like Discord instead to to voice chat, and that's probably a fine alternative for some. But I don't know. I, I'll be curious to. I mean, this kind of leans into my next question, which is, what are they planning to release alongside this online service? Because I, I sincerely doubt they'll. Mm. Uh, I, I sincerely doubt they'll expect, you know, their current multiplayer online offerings like Splatoon 2 and Mario Kart to incentivize enough people to jump into this paid online. Mostly... It starts with Super. I'm sorry, what was that? I said it starts with Super. Yeah, sure. And it ends with Brothers. And Mario is not the middle word. <laughs> I, I think that is kind of likely because I think... I, I don't know that it'd be reasonable for them to assume that those games, which have already had free online, you know, that people will... And will have been released for like over a year at that point. Uh, that surely wouldn't be enough to, to motivate people. So I, I do think that a Smash, you know, and with a relatively barren 2018 as of so far, a Smash Bros. port yeah. I think would make sense. And I think it might actually be really pointed towards with this release date because I can't imagine a universe where they don't, you know, have 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 a software reason to buy into this other than their whatever retro package they're planning on doing. I think that's a really good question. Like, yeah, they have to they have to put a bit more out there because if it's just the Splatnet, I think they were calling it, yeah. and then a couple other games, people might be like, oh, I don't know if it's worth it. But if it's like, here's a new Smash Brothers, you know, or something like that, or um, making some more games and, and newer games that people can 
can do the online with, it will make it more worth it. And, and they do have plenty of time because it's not coming out. The paid one isn't coming out until September. So they have plenty of time. Probably their secret development projects will be finished by then to release alongside it. Um, and probably be coming out with some, they have, uh, cause they have the, uh, the free games each month, the different free game. And so yeah. they have to be working on those too, to make it so people want to buy it. So if the first, I think we'll see after the first month, how well it goes, they have to do something else. We definitely will. And you know, at this point it's almost, cause I don't know that you can make an argument that Nintendo doesn't have the technical know-how to produce, you know, an infrastructure yeah. like Sony or Microsoft's mm-hmm. and, and it, it more and more seems like it's just like that the online, uh, the online play of, of like the models of Sony and Microsoft don't really align with maybe the sensibilities of of uh, the heads of Nintendo or I mean you know because mm-hmm. the 360 did it and you, and in 2006 our cell phones can do it on Discord uh, so there is kind of some skepticism for me at least as to whether or not like we'll ever actually see that level of jump but. Yeah, only time will tell. The first month will be extremely telling. And, you know, I'm sure we'll hear a word at E3 about their specific ideas for it. So we'll probably have a, have a good idea even before then. Yeah. Like, what? Like aside from Smash Brothers and, of course, Mario Kart, like, what other IP of Nintendo's would be conducive to, like, a new multiplayer online-only game? Like, Star Fox, Space Combat, you know, like, Metroid Prime, is there... I mean, that's a... You could use that for a first-person shooter, even though, of course, it's not an FPS game. Um, I mean, like, what else is there? Of course, Splatoon we mentioned, but should they do a new IP? I mean, Pikmin, could that be the basis for... Oh, Pikmin would be, actually. For MOBA? A Pikmin MOBA? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> I mean, I love Pikmin, so... I yes. mean, there's probably... They could make, like, a Pokemon one. They could make, you know, a Pikmin oh, one. Oh, yes. That there's... Pokemon. That's what yeah, I was forgetting. All the Mario sports. That would be the one, I think. Yeah, like an online Pokemon one for the Switch. That'd probably go over pretty well. Uh, I know you mentioned the, on the GameCube there was an online game. Um, I think you're referring to the one I'm thinking of, uh, Fantasy Star Online. Yes. And yes. I I actually, that's one of my favorite GameCube games ever. Uh, I, I think it's great. And if they made, I know they made Fantasy Star Universe uh, on the PSP years ago, and it wasn't as good, I don't think. Maybe they could try again, having Fantasy Star again on a Nintendo platform, having it online again might work, or uh, there. I think there's some older ones maybe they could try, because I know uh, Square Enix tends to lean more towards PlayStation, but they they did have a while ago on the GameCube quite a few really good games mm-hmm. um one of my other favorites that was local multiplayer was uh crystal chronicles final yeah. fantasy crystal chronicles mm-hmm. yeah. and right you pl- you plug in the um game boy and you can have your map and everything i thought that was one of the most brilliant multiplayer games ever the way they did that with the miasma and the little bubble everyone had to stay in to make sure groups stayed together, the way they had you connect Game Boys to play with so that everyone had their own screen instead of a split screen. Uh, I think that was a brilliant game, and I would love it if they would release another 
sort of predecessor to that one, whether it's through Nintendo Online or they can think of some other way to connect it up. I would be, I mean, I would, I would spend the money. I would do anything <laughs> to get my hands on a new Crystal Chronicles, I think. I'd be like checking how many of my things I could sell to buy that because, yeah, going on a tangent here, but I love Crystal Chronicles um, and Fantasy Star. So maybe those ones, maybe Pokemon might be a good one. Yeah, I mean that like like you said it it is it was a tangent, but I mean those are two excellent examples to bring up Fantasy Star and Crystal Chronicles um because this could this could as I said signal like a resurrection of all that. Like mm. thinking back to the GameCube how there were these attempts made at thir- th- either third-party multiplayer or an actual online game. Like this could mm-hmm. and being at such a low price point, this could this could really like bring a whole new wave to the Switch, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And like we said, I think, I think, uh, we'll see time will tell, but I'm sure Nintendo has something up their sleeve. So I kind of, I'm sure. Yeah. I noticed none of you mentioned Mario party. Um, I didn't either. (laughs) That's because Mario party needs to stay in hell where it currently is and never leave Mario party universe. That. That, it'll that probably be- happen. <laughs> <laughs> if we're honest, it's probably it'll yeah. probably happen, but I don't know if I would play it. They could I mean, but like how on that subject it's like how has that survived for so long? Like honestly. Cuz I even played the first Mario Party recently with my brother, and it's like even more frustrating than the rest that followed and I thought <laughs> how in the world Oh, it's terrible. Did this survive? It's ironically good. Like Mario Party 2 and three. Like, if you're playing with friends, it's plenty of fun, I think. The original? Yeah. Like, have you done the first one, though, Sean? No, I have never one, played, like, like Mario two, Party like, TM. I can have fun with Mario Party games, but if you go back and play the first one, it's like, I mean, it's like decking you over the head, frustrating, <laughs> miserable pain. It's <laughs> That's why I'm surprised it, sur- it survived. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, like, got you. Yeah, I think I played, I think my favorite one, if I had to pick, would maybe, I think it was four. I'm not sure anymore. They're at, what, like, 11 now? Yeah, I like it. It's like Land Before Time. It just never ends. There's, like, <laughs> 20 of them. They need to reboot it. Yeah. Just make one called Mario Party. Just restart <laughs> it all. I like two, by the way. The one where they dress up in the different levels. That's That was the first one I did, and that's always been my favorite. I think... Oh, go ahead, Christine. But yeah, Sean, do play the first one. You'll you'll change your your opinion. Uh, should I? I? I don't know that you're you're <laughs> arguing me well to play. <laughs> if anything, I'm scared. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary going back to those ones. They're not good. No, I think it's just like one of those simple formulas that they can just crank out easily. And I think honestly, that's why a lot of people kind of jumped off the Nintendo train for a while before the Switch was because it was like, now on Wii U, the same five games again, and no one was having it. They were like, I don't want to play Mario Golf 4, Mario Party 11, and, you know, like, they, they really hold on tight to their franchises, even if people don't like them that much. Um, But they still sell, so... I mean, I guess that's the easy answer. They still sell just fine. And they keep... It's interesting. 
like they've really gotten into the screw now where they keep just using those same franchises again but always giving them new breath like with mm-hmm. you know breath of the wild and mario odyssey like nintendo they are going to just keep using their storied franchises to keep giving themselves new life and i think that's a that's a difficult thing to do because you have to balance what the series has always been and what the hardcore fans want and then you have to think well how can this give us a new audience and help lift our company name up beyond just our hardcore you know late 20 30 something year old fan base from back in the day yeah and they're able to do that with both zelda and mario now they have done that very yeah i think those those are the best they've done so far as far as continuing a series oh well i think i think that about wraps it up i don't know if anyone has final thoughts or anything but when we go around and sort of close out the podcast for today um so i'll have We'll just kind of go around, sign off any closing uh, thoughts or words of wisdom to share with our audience before we go. Let's let's start with uh, Trevor. At Benny the Guard on Twitter, all lowercase, underscores between the words. There, I did it. I'm so proud of myself now. I did the quick draw. You did it. And Robert wasn't here to get me. (laughs) All right. And uh, what what about uh, Rachel? Uh, Is this the part where I just say my social media or what what it what, what's the sign off you can social media plug you can wrap up closing argument you can give people advice whatever you'd like well gosh guys thanks for listening um if you want to follow me my twitter is at bonfire raven yeah I, it's it's a dark souls thing i think technically it was a crow but that doesn't sound as cool <laughs> <laughs> um but that's me if you want to follow my twitter it's not super exciting i kind of just retweet a whole bunch of game stuff but thanks for thanks for having me on yeah um and sean yeah if you guys want to find me on myspace my username is skater 64 <laughs> i have some avril levine playing on my uh, profile song it's quite the place to visit um no uh, actually if you want to follow me on twitter you can find me at quirky argonian which is a new name that Ooh. i ch- uh, for a long story for another time but yeah, my Twitter uh, is at Quirky Argonian. Find him on Twitter and ask him about his handle. Yeah. Um, um, I'll just say for myself, uh, you can find me basically on any social platform under Kimchi Christy, K-I-M-C-H-I-K-R-I-S-T-Y. And I'll just say look both ways before crossing the street and see if you can find any of us online. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Sean, Rachel, and Trevor, for being here today. Uh, this is Christine signing off for the Game Luster podcast, and see you next time. <laughs>